Welcome to the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is to strengthen and equip church and ministry leaders just like you through practical and theological discussions about some of the most pressing and important issues facing the local church today. We feature conversations with members of our team here at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as well as interviews with authors and thinkers from around the world. You can follow The Essential.Church on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch episodes on our YouTube channel and also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and Spotify, where you'll find a full archive of previous conversations. And now, here is this week's episode of The Essential Church Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and today I'm going to take you to an interview that Glenn Packiam and I did recently with Kyle Strobel. Kyle is the co-author of this book, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb, uh, which he wrote together with his friend Jamin Goggin, and the book is essentially a long exploration of the two different approaches to power that we see in the scriptures, the demonic way that uses power for control and manipulation and coercion versus the way of the kingdom, which is all about power manifest in weakness for the sake of love, which Kyle gets into in our conversation. This was a wide-ranging and wonderful conversation that was illuminating on so many fronts. We think that you're really going to be helped by it. Without further commentary from me, here's to the interview. Well, we're with our friend, uh, Dr. Kyle Strobel today. Kyle's a PhD from the University of Aberdeen and a systematic theologian who teaches spiritual theology for uh, the Institute for Spiritual Formation at Talbot School of Theology. And uh, he's the author of a number of books, including the most recent, Where Prayer Becomes Real, which we were just talking about off camera. It's apparently doing really well, so we'd encourage you to go out and snag that book. But we are not talking about that book today. We are talking about this one, uh, which he authored with his friend, uh, Jamin Goggin, about four or five years ago, called The Way of the Dragon and The Way of the Lamb. Uh, Glenn, I think you endorsed this book when it came out. Somebody else just put it in my hands about four or five months ago, and I went, oh, gosh, this like says it so well, like the issues I think that um, we're facing in the church at large, certainly the evangelical church in our moment, like it's really a long examination of the question of power and how do we steward power in a way that reflects the lordship of Jesus. So we're excited to talk about with this about you. We talk about these matters all the time, and so uh, it'd be great to just hear what you have to say about it. Kyle, I'd love to start um, just some biography here. Tell us some of the story of this book, like for you and Jamin, where did this book come from? What launched the quest to understand power in the way of Jesus? Yeah, you know, Jamin and I, had we, we'd actually written a previous book together called Beloved Dust. And it was a book on our humanity, what it means to be human, um, what it I, means to be a creature. I, I got to say, Kyle, also another great book. And we used that book during Lent several years ago at our congregation mm. downtown. It's a wonderful Lenten uh, read. Oh, thanks so much, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those those projects that really forced us to grapple with some things in the teachings of Jesus mm-hmm. that we had known our whole life but kind of came to realize as Bible students that we weren't fully sure that we believed mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or that we even knew what it meant, you know, and, and you affirm them because Jesus said that, you know, so it's, it's got to be true. But then we really realized that like, wow, this doesn't shape my life. Mm. And this doesn't shape ministry as we think of it. This doesn't shape how we conceive of a successful sermon or, you know, and so we, we really felt a call to write a book about power but then immediately felt like we can't be the ones to do this. I mean, this is, you know, we are probably both, I, 
we were probably young thirties at this point. And we're just like, we're not the ones to do this. Yeah. And that's where that led us to really kind of go along and interview some people that we thought yeah. Yeah. kind of embodied this way. Yeah, that's great. Well, tell us, just so that our um, our listeners here, our viewers, kind of have an idea of what you're talking about, the way that you've broadly set up the two approaches to power mm-hmm. uh, are the way of the dragon and the way of the lamb. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us, uh, since you're an academic here, and I know that you'll appreciate this, and I know that uh, you're... Your students always appreciate things like this. Uh, give us a little definition of terms here. <laughs> when you say way of the dragon versus the way of the lamb, why don't you like uh, like characterize those, profile yeah. those for us so that we've got some directions to run with in our conversation? Yeah, well, one of the ways, we do it in kind of two big ways. So one way would be with James 3, which talks about the way from above versus the way from below. The way from above is the way of Jesus, which is the way of the lamb. Mm-hmm. The way from below in James 3 is the way of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Mm -hmm. Now, that obviously ratchets things up a little bit (laughs) once you throw the devil on the end of that. (laughs) But it turns out that there's a power system that are assumed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you see this in the teachings of Jesus when Jesus calls Peter Satan to his face because explicitly he is setting his mind on the things of man. The things of man, the things of Satan are united there. The other way we talk about it that's probably a little simpler is simply that the way of the dragon is the way of power and strength for the sake of control and often domination. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the way from the lamb is the way of power and weakness for the sake of love. Mm-hmm. And you know, the key there that I think a lot of people, so I think there's two errors that get made here right away. One error is to see power as bad. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is where it's amazing, like some of the feedback we've gotten on the book that have been interesting, because if if um, someone that is, let's say, more on the left leaning side of things or more progressive, they're tempted to, to just demonize power. Right. Mm-hmm. But scripture is clear that it's for power. Like yeah. the whole point yeah. is power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not for weakness. Weakness right. is not a goal. Right. <laughs> but but it's power that's known in weakness. Hmm. The other side that often tends to be more right leaning politically um, they they tend to have a less worry about power and really almost are willing to embrace any power system as long as it leads to the right ends. Exactly. And so those are the two kind of things we recognized. And the, it's easier for me to see, I think, the right-leaning side. Mm-hmm. Right. This because my my above my background. What was interesting on the more progressive leaning side, the person that convinced me this has to be about power was MLK. MLK was adamant about this. Mm-hmm. He says it's it has to be about because because love is power, mm-hmm. and that's what what I think could be so easy to forget is many of us just accept the world's definition of power mm-hmm. and think Jesus is doing something else, mm-hmm. whereas Jesus is redefining power entirely mm-hmm. and is calling us to faith. I want to lean into both of those errors, Kyle, because I think there's 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 layers to that application. Okay, so let's take that first error where power itself is demonized or power is bad. That you, you know, you said maybe that's the mistake on the left or whatever, but but let's let's also say it's the mistake of youth. Um, the the pastor's favorite person in their congregation is the first year seminary student, right? Who <laughs> who maybe hasn't led anything yet, but has read enough and is active on Twitter and is all about is all about speaking truth to power. Yeah. But it's easy to speak the truth to power when you've never actually held any power. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so you're, you imagine that your role is just to sort of do these takedowns. Um, yeah. talk, talk to us about the right use of power. Why does power actually matter? Yeah, well, power, I mean, this is what this project led us into something that I think was so interesting because I, I when we started it, I knew this was a major issue. Mm-hmm. But this was, we started this before Driscoll and the, right. the debacle. I mean, so we right. started this well before it became obvious it was such an issue. And I've become convinced it is the issue yeah. because power influences everything. Mm-hmm. Your devotional life is entirely fueled by your vision of power. Mm-hmm. What you think the church is, what you think worship's about, how you engage in politics, how you don't engage in politics, all of it presupposes your view of power. And so this is where we started just sitting with what is Jesus saying? And I, and I think a lot of times we miss because people are very open and ready to talk about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Willard was the first person that that helped me see the kingdom is entirely about power. And and once you recognize that, and even, you know, who's the person that Jesus says is the greatest faith, you know, bigger than anyone in Israel. It's the person that kind of looks at Jesus and says, I know what you're up to. Right, right. I too have authority, Uh, right? I too have power. Yeah. And so it's, it's this issue, I think, is the most important issue that the church refuses to talk about. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've, it's interesting to see how difficult it is to get people to really wrestle with power. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm worried that Satan is actually muddying the waters right now, trying to make this an impossible discussion to have. And I think some of the, the kerfuffle about CRT is actually more of a demonic smokescreen So we don't actually have a conversation about what power is. Can you expand on that, Kyle, just a little bit? I'm I'm so intrigued by what you're saying here, and I'm kind of stuck on a comment that you made earlier about the left-leaning approach to power, where there's sort of almost a denial that power Mm -hmm. exists, because I think that you could be misunderstood in this. When you talk about like power manifest in weakness for the sake of love, Mm -hmm. could seem like what we're talking about here is just the abandonment of power altogether, but actually... If we talk about power in the wrong way, where we say, well, well, no, let's just abandon power altogether. What that actually does is it masks more insidious forms of power. That's right. Right? So I, I think you're exactly right that really everything is about power. And so you have to talk about it in the right way. So I would just love it if you would expand on that, like what you're talking about, like this conversation that we're having in society, mm. for instance, is all about power, but the waters are getting really muddied. Tell us more about how we, where you're seeing that. Well... Among the the folks that I would say are more right leaning, be, they look at the CRT discussion, the critical race theory, as as all about power. And so, what what's happened has been, as I, as I've seen, is that if you're talking about power, immediately, it's it, you're you're kind of cast in a certain light as dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually was. I, there was a group of, of former elders who read this book and wanted to meet with me. And I met with them and it was so fascinating mm. because they kept on trying to put me in a, in political categories. Mm. And I'm like, I don't fit in those categories. Right. Like, I right. like I, I, I'm using kingdom categories mm-hmm. and they kept trying to put me in those categories to not have to deal with what I was saying. Mm. Whereas when I've engaged and I've been really encouraging, you know, one of the things that was funny when the book came out that surprised me 
was how, and I think evangelicalism is a big tent sort of movement. Sure. I think you have right, left, all sorts of things on it. I don't think anyone owns it. I was really encouraged about how people across the spectrum were, were actually endorsing the book saying, mm -hmm. yes, this is what we need to talk about. And I actually think the difference between evangelicalism and say fundamentalism mm -hmm. is that we actually do agree on this. Mm -hmm. We just don't talk about it mm -hmm. and, and it's gone ignored. And therefore it has become kind of insidious because it means some of us have kind of befallen to worldly power. Others of us have just rejected power entirely. Mm -hmm. And because of that, again, insidious forms of power have kind of seeped in. But it has been interesting how folks on the right want to just demonize the conversation and not have it. Sure. My friends on the left have critiqued the book by saying, you still think this is about power and that's why you're, you're, you're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's where we've allowed kind of secular, I don't love that term, but secular categories mm -hmm. to kind of govern our thinking rather than kingdom categories. Yeah. Whereas I think Jesus is doing in his in his kingdom imagery, part of what he's doing is he's trying to show us there's an entirely different economy yeah. that my kingdom functions in, and it is powerful. It might not look powerful, and it might not feel powerful, and this is why it actually takes faith to believe it. Uh, th this is going to be an oversimplification, Kyle, but sometimes the caricatures can bring things into sharp relief or, 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 or clarity here. Sure. So it, it sounds like one error is to say leadership is bad, you know, like we don't need... So, totally. so, so people yeah, yeah. who are nervous about power, okay, we, we really don't want a singular head, let's e diffuse everything mm -hmm. by committee, you know. And again, that there's a right approach, there's a right sort of instinct totally. in that, right? Shared accountability, blah, blah, blah. But so if the one mistake is leadership is bad, maybe mm -hmm. on the other mistake is leadership is everything. Right. And as mm -hmm. long as we reach the goal, it doesn't matter how we're getting there. So I want to pivot a little bit. And and sometimes I think as pastors or church leaders, even that word, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it connotes action and activity. We're accomplishing something. We are so easily caught up in doing God's work that we stop to ask if this is God's way. Yeah. So what is the way of the lamb? How do we do God's work that looks like Jesus himself? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, and this is where the way of weakness comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, you've, if you assume a vision of worldly power, then suddenly one Jesus is not going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> if you discover yourself in the wilderness, mm -hmm. as God's people often do, that's mm -hmm. not going to make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. If you are called into your weaknesses, I mean, even the way we, we often talk about spiritual gifts, are, are, this is a good kind of expression of this, I think. A lot of the spiritual gift conversation that came out of the late 80s, early 90s was about actualizing strength. In, an, in, in, in a letter that Paul's writing explicitly against that. <laughs> this is to the Corinthian church, right? Yeah, right. That's true. The whole point of that correspondence is that the Corinthians are obsessed with the visible, right? With the incredible, with the, you know, and, and Paul is constantly going back to the invisible things, yeah, to the true power. Yeah. And this, this culminates in 2 Corinthians 12, where the risen and, and ascended Lord Jesus tells Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Mm, yeah, right. And, and we had, you know, in late 80s, early 90s, the whole point of the spiritual gift conversation was so you would never have to minister in your weakness. Right. And, and that's how a worldly framework can come in yeah. 
and can totally redefine how we think about life and ministry. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately the, the, the most devastating thing about that is that it would work. Right. And, and, and unfortunately for the last several decades, it in one sense has kind yes. of quote unquote worked. Yes. Pragmatically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pragmatically Kyle, we've gotten things done. How much of this Kyle is about when I read your book, one of the things I kept thinking about was uh, Brennan Manning's mm-hmm. term that he often used talking about the false self, you know, or the imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Yeah. Like how much are we grabbing at different forms of power because we're trying to shore up some ego deficiency that we have? And I'll just kind of tag another question into that <laughs> that sort of occurred to me as I was reading your, because I'm wrestling with this all the time. It's, mm-hmm. We steward power and responsibility, authority in people's lives. So how do we do that rightly? And one of the things I was thinking about when I was reading your book was maybe what the way of the lamb really is, is just, it's the willingness to be exactly the persons we are under the grace of God with the responsibilities that we've been given. And we're not trying to achieve ourselves through those responsibilities that have been given to us, but we're just, you know what I mean? Like when we talk about weakness or like leading out of your brokenness or whatever, sometimes that can sound so like, um, I need to talk about all of my problems and my flaws all the time, but I, I don't know that that's exactly right either. You know, yeah, like yeah, how totally. much is it really just a matter of being or as our friend Steve Cuss says, exactly human-sized, you know, mm-hmm. inside of the one life that God has given us and the constellation of responsibilities that he's given to us. And I know that's kind of two convoluted questions together, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe well, take I, a whack I think at that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. I, I, I do think for leaders, you're probably right. Like for, for folks in kind of full-time vocational ministry, mm-hmm. the temptation really is to try to kind of construct a self. Yeah. yeah. And I do think the fact that true power is love. Mm-hmm. If we really internalize that, it, it relates to the second question, because one of the things that'll help us understand is that our value and our identity is received. It's not generated. That's right. Mm. That's right. And, and once we realize that then is like, so let me, I mean, just a little bit of my own story. You know, I went to yeah. seminary because I wanted to be great. <laughs> right. You know, not because I wanted to be faithful, I, right. you know, and sort of that was probably in there stuff, but I wanted to be great. And I remember realizing that God has called me to this, but it's a tiny little thing. Mm-hmm. And there's much bigger things in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I fully well knew I'll be more upfront than most. I'll be more visible than many, but I won't be doing the most significant work, mm-hmm. but it's still the work I've been called to. And, you know, it's, it's tempting to try to go looking for the most significant work rather than what you're called to. Mm-hmm. But I think the Lord is very clear. And if nowhere else, then certainly in the Corinthian correspondence, first Corinthians in particular, it's the most visible parts are actually, it's not like the body, the human body, mm-hmm. right. right? It's the parts that we hide, the parts we're shameful of. Those are actually the more significant parts. Which means, and I'm thinking through this about our, the, we have these sort of subtle frames or assumptions that pastors, and this is a podcast where a lot of church leaders are listening, mm-hmm. these subtle sort of presuppositions that we work with, and I'll, give, I'll name a couple of them. A person has a big church. He's a great leader. Right. She's a great leader. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a person 
uh, doesn't have a big church, well, they, they, they're not a great leader. Mm-hmm. And, and these sorts of false correlations, that's way of the dragon kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Where else do that's you exactly see it in right. evangelicalism? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, that's a really clear one. And that you can you can go through every church position that way too. Yeah. Worship leader, youth yep. pastor, right? Yep. Like it all, it shows up. I think the average person that attends churches often will weigh churches that way. Sure. Like, oh, I go to this church, which is more significant than that church yep. because of X, Y, Z. Um, I read the books of these sorts of people and mm-hmm. that's meaningful because of the, you know, there's, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of ways we do it. I even think, you know, I mean, think about the language that we use after a, a, a church service. Wow, God really showed up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and really what that person is saying is, God did what I wanted him to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's, right. Right. That's right. Because when you left feeling like God was absent, that was also God really showing up. Mm-hmm. When when Paul is given the thorn of the flesh, which is a messenger of Satan, it's a gift from God. And that means that was God really showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet it's interesting how often we judge things based on a certain experience, a certain visible. I mean, it's so interesting how often, I mean, second Corinthians is the key letter here, yeah. but if you set your mind on the things that are seen, they're fading. Mm-hmm. The unseen yes, things yes, are what yes. don't fade. Yes. And so we need to reimagine. I mean, I think I think of again Willard and and how he would talk about the woman, the the widow who gave the mite. Mm-hmm. She actually gave more money. Her mite will do more in the kingdom, right? Because it was done in faith, and therefore it was done according to the true economy of reality. Yeah, the hordes of money that, and you know. I'm a person that works at a Christian university and like all Christian organizations are fundraising all the time, right? Like I understand we need money to do things, but on that view of things, it's not merely more money, right? It's faithful money. (laughs) And we need to actually judge how we're doing based on what we're called to in the kingdom and in the kingdom economy, right? It's as, as Willard loved to say, it's not only doing Jesus things, it's doing them in Jesus's ways. And, and that means it's going to require faith, which is not sight. Yeah. Kyle, I love what you're saying here. As you've been talking, I've been thinking about the temptation narrative of Jesus. And mm. what is the Jesus way? He refuses any path of sonship that does not come in his father's way and in his mm. father's time and also doesn't involve the cross. That's you know, it. That's so it. In, Always the, the cross. in the wilderness, he's given opportunities to circumvent that. And he won't. That's the call for all of us as leaders, is that we refuse any influence that doesn't come to us in God's way, in God's time, and that also doesn't involve a cross. So I, I want to, in the few minutes that we have left, I want you to get down to brass tacks here for us. Um, this podcast, uh, it's mostly leaders, church leaders that are listening to this. So they're thinking about, how do I actually do this in my ministry? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about what it looks like to be a senior pastor, a lead pastor, a ministry leader, who leads with power manifest in weakness for the sake of love, okay? And that's not an abdication of power. It's not a giving up of power. It's also not a demonic grasping after power. Just maybe paint some little pictures for us. Give us some examples of what it might look like. Stoke our imaginations here. Yeah, well, I mean, the first will be just kind of a mental reframing. Like, our church is powerful insofar as as it is loving, right? Not insofar as it is big not insofar as it is influential politically or community, like Hmm. insofar as it's love. 
But very practically, I would say attend to places that you know you have natural strength. Most pastors I know are naturally gifted public speakers. That is your weakness now. Because that means your temptation is, and you fully well know this, is that you will be tempted to wield your natural abilities Mm -hmm. to get things done. Wow. Are you a good natural leader? You will be tempted to. Now, it's a better scenario to be like Moses, quite honestly. Like, well, God, I'll do anything you want as long as I don't have to speak. Yeah. Great. You're my mouth. Right? Right? Like, <laughs> that's a better scenario because you know you're desperate. You're going to throw yourself on God. If you are a naturally gifted rhetorician, your temptation is to rely on yourself, to wield your flesh wow. for the sake of winning. Mm, wow. And so if God has called you into that area, it's not now, well, I guess I can't be a public speaker. I can't preach. I can't. No, it's not that. But he has called you into a place of wild temptation for you. Uh, that now you need to construct systems, perhaps. Maybe that's accountability systems with an elder board. You need to attend very carefully with your spouse, with your um, close friends, with yourself in prayer. Lord, how am I tempted not to trust you? And, and I would say the question that, that pastors need to be wrestling with today more than ever is how am I tempted not to have to have faith? I think by and large, the American evangelical church, and again, that's very generic, but I think what we're realizing is that in the last several decades, we have, we have thought the goal was not having to have faith. Wow. If I just have enough money, if we just have enough mm-hmm. power, if we just have the buildings, if we just, then what? Then I won't have to have faith. Mm-hmm what would it look like to actually believe that Mm -hmm. faith, hope, and love are the goal of these Mm -hmm. things and that I need to call people into and myself live in an invisible kingdom that actually is reality. So good. Sorry. I was, uh, maybe we'll edit this out or whatever, but I, while you were talking, I couldn't help. (laughs) One of my favorite parts of the book was when you were talking with Dallas Willard and thank you for saying that, by the way, that that's a new thought that has occurred to me now, yes. that the greatest temptation yes. is actually the place where you're most naturally gifted. That and and what to pay attention to that, to, to sort yeah. of understand there's temptations that are going to come with that. I think that, that's a really good insight, Kyle. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add yeah. this one thing in it, that when you were talking to Dallas Willard, and he said that when the pastor leads and speaks, where he needs to be standing is no power except what comes through the presence of God with him. Mm. The willingness to kind of stand vulnerably amid the congregation, not trying to accomplish something or manipulate people into an outcome, but unfurling in front of them the revelation of God and God's name and God's goodness and letting the chips fall where they may. I feel like that's largely what you're getting at here. Totally. Well, and this is where you can see a little bit how the the Where Prayer Becomes Real project relates to this one, Mm -hmm. where for the pastor prayer is it needs to be the place yeah. where they're wrestling honestly with God yep. about Lord I just gave a sermon and that was entirely me mm-hmm. that was me trying to impress people mm-hmm. that was me trying to construct something and get things happening that was mm-hmm. oh, Lord have mercy on me here yeah, <laughs> you know this, that like prayer needs to be a place where we're actually coming to see the truth more deeply mm-hmm. and more profoundly so good Kyle, thanks so much for being with us today. The book is The Way of the Dragon uh, and The Way of the Lamb. We hope you all will grab it. An excellent exploration of uh, 
power in the kingdom of God. We're grateful to have you with us, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. So good being with you.